Now, these are very important things to invest to remember as a gold investor is that gold is really what money operates around and for those of you who wish to preserve wealth gold is often proven to be quite useful um, but one of the things that he did touch on is that even though interest rates are moving higher he said we've got to look back at previous periods where gold has um, has moved up higher in spite of interest rates going up so for those of you who are wondering why gold isn't doing what it's meant to do you've got to remember hi shay russell here and today i am coming to you from the rural investor symposium being hold, held in the uh, boca Raton in uh, Florida. I've been calling it Boca Raton, but apparently that's something only Australians say. It's Boca Raton. Anyway, so what I wanted to kick off uh, this week's Exponential Investor podcast with is talking about some of the themes that we are seeing here at the Resource Conference. Now, I'll be honest, I expected it to be a little bit more resource heavy than it actually is. And it turns out one of the most um, talked about resources on the first day here has been gold. And I'm get, going to get to why gold has been important in a couple of minutes. First of all, I do want to cover off one of the keynote speakers speech, and that is Jim Rickards. Now, Jim Rickards had some very important points, and I'm working across two different notes. So forgive me for the looking left and right while I try and get my head about uh, all the information I've been um, able to digest and regurgitate today. So there's a couple of things that um, Jim touched on today that I think are really important to share in this week's podcast. Now, first and foremost, one of the things uh, Rick, the, uh, sorry, Rick, Jim Rickards kicked off with his speech today was talking about euro dollar futures and why these are an important measure of how smart money is uh, gauging where the Federal Reserve Bank is going to move interest rates to. Now, he talked about how they're signaling there is going to be a, a, a March rate cut in 2023. Now, as we know this week, um, the Federal Reserve Bank did raise interest rates. It was pretty much baked into the price. And to be fair, the rest of the year, we are expecting the Federal Reserve to continue to increase rates. Now, there was a counter view to Ricard's claim. Uh, a gentleman, a gentleman by the name of Brian London, who writes the original Goals newsletter, and I'll get to why that's important in a bit, actually believes that the Fed is going to start cutting rates as of the Northern Hemisphere for this year. Uh, Jim disagrees. Jim believes that the Euro dollar futures is signalling a rate cut in March 2023. So that will be interesting to see. But there's a couple of other points that he tacked onto his presentation that I think are worth exploring. Uh, first and foremost, he talks about how there's early signs of a liquidity crisis. Now, he didn't delve into that too much, but he did put it out there that uh, there, the signs of a, a liquidity crisis are matching up to things that we saw back in 1999 and in 2008. Now, he didn't go as far as to say that there was a liquidity, a liquidity crisis. I'm not doing well with the words today. He didn't go as far to say that there was a liquidity crisis on our doorstep, but that we are seeing one form. And I think that's very important, especially too, when you've got to remember that Jim Rickards was involved in uh, the LMCT bailout in 1998. So we might know what a liquidity crisis looks like well before they come along. Um, I thought one of his very funny anecdotes, completely jumping, there's no linear link here. I might just point this out is he was promoting his latest book, it's called Sold Out, and it's due in November later this year. 
But what he talks about how is uh, there's a cardboard shortage and there is not enough cardboard around right now to pack these books in. Uh, and I think it's a bit of a salient point too uh, when there is currently a global chickpea shortage and we might be on the precipice of a global aluminum or aluminium, it just depends which part of the enormous hemisphere you're in is how you say that, shortage looming as well. So the fact that we've got no cardboard, no aluminum and no chickpea short, uh, no chickpeas at the moment does tell us that supply chains are strained. And that went a, a long way to Jim's point is that the um, supply chains that we're seeing at the moment, the, the, the pressure that they're under, they're not done. Uh, so, you know, we've got to remember that, and I've written about this before throughout various episodes of Exponential Investor, is that it has taken 50, 60, 70, 80 years, depending on what part of the supply chain you're in, for supply chains to develop. And because of the COVID pandemic and how we reacted, we've basically tried to undo that in short, uh, in you know, a very short amount of time. Um, to this point, I think it's very important that we sit on this one. Um, he talked about the building of a semiconductor plant that's happening out in Texas. Now, I don't actually know a lot about this, I'll be quite honest, I'm talking off the cuff here right now. There's a semiconductor plant being out in, uh, built out in Texas. It's gonna take a couple of billion dollars to build. Um, and as he pointed out, that is going to be great for American jobs. He said, but you've got to remember that this is going to take four to five years to build. So essentially the point here is that the dramas that we're seeing play out in the supply chain can't be reversed anytime soon. And for anyone who's been listening to me waffle on about metals and how hard they are to bring up online, that is going to be the same pattern that we see play out there as well. You don't bring new mines online overnight. They take, you know, God, if everything goes to plan, 10 years, but it can take up to 20 years to bring new mines online to meet demand. So I think that is a very interesting point that cardboard, to pack his books and sell his books that he very much once sold, it can't even be shipped out to people right now. Um, something he touched on too that might be controversial but definitely worth sharing is that he believes that uh, the war in the Ukraine will be resolved sooner rather than later and that it is likely that Putin is going to end up with half if not two-thirds of the Ukraine. Uh, again, you know, we don't have an answer to that right now, but I thought it was a controversial, a controversial point and absolutely worth sharing. Um, and a little bit on that is he talked about how he doesn't care that the sanctions are impacting ugly arts of Putin. In fact, he argues that Putin enjoys that the ugly arts are being impacted because then Putin doesn't need to appeal to them and he can back to, get back to his autocratic ways. Um, again, not much we can do with that information, but it's it's definitely worth tucking back into the tidbits of our brain because you've got to remember this is not what Jim has just put forward is not a narrative that we are seeing play out in any of our forms of mainstream media. Um, again, jump around with me. There's a lot of jumping around with some of the notes that I've taken today. Um, he touched on lightly about the demise of the US dollar. And it's not so much the demise of the US dollar that we're thinking that there is going to be a currency blow up uh, and that, that nobody's going to need the US dollar and this is the death of the US dollar. He doesn't rule out the death of the US dollar, rather he talks about how the, um, there is a destruction for demand for the US dollar, but we're not seeing the erosion of the US dollar as a reserve currency. So these are two very important distinctions. Uh, and to his point, uh, the BRICS economy, so the BRICS plus, uh, let me go through my notes, I've got a lot of them, the BRICS plus Argentina, Turkey and a couple of other countries, he um, suggests that there is some sort of cohesion or some sort of agreement where they are actively working towards a commodity-based currency 
where they don't need to settle in US dollars, but they can either settle in a currency that they've come up with that will derive their value of commodities or that there is some sort of internal arrangement that they're working on. It's a very interesting point. There's not a lot of information we've got to go on right now, but it's definitely something worth thinking about. And I would not be surprised. I've theorized in the past of commodity-based currencies and countries uh, being able to trade in those rather than the US dollar going forward. But you know, this is a long-term proposition that we're talking about. Um, uh, while we're on the subject of Jim and his theories, I do want to touch on something he said about uh, Bitcoin. Now, I'm working, as I said, I'm working across two different points of note. So just forgive me while I look here. So look, Jim called Bitcoin a casino. I don't know a lot about Bitcoin. This is why we've got Sam Volkering. Sam knows a lot about Bitcoin. But um, one thing I did think was quite important that Jim said is that uh, he thinks that we're reanalyzing what money actually means and they're using Bitcoin as that medium. Um, so a classic example or a, a quote that I've got here is that we need, we need to understand Bitcoin through the lens of communication theory. Uh, Bitcoin is not going to replace the dollar but it may destroy the demand for the dollar because we've lost the cohesive thread of what money is. We don't know what money is anymore, but that it's a hallucinogenic. Uh, again, I'll leave Sam up to um, point out where Bitcoin actually sits in the scheme of money. This is well beyond my remit. I'm far better at rocks, minerals, metals, and resources. This is not my thing. Um, but I do think the fact that um, we can't ignore the prevalence and the dominance that Bitcoin has, and especially too, it's a, it's a very interesting point that it is destroying demand for money as we know, and that is what makes it important. Now, we are going to make a very nonsensical jump to the next panel of the day, and this was between Grant Williams, Rick Rule, and Jim Rickards. Honestly, three of my favorite men in the world. Grant Williams remembers my name, and he gave me a kiss on the cheek. Very happy that he does. But we are going to, um, I want to touch on a couple of things the guys talked about. And again, I've, I'm just going to jump to my notes over here. The one of the, I think it's, I think it's coffee time. So there's going to be a lot of noise in the background, guys, forgive me. So the big topic of the panel today was super bubble. Now, according to Jeremy Grantham, as we know, a bit of a uh, legend of an investor himself, uh, he defined them as a two sigma variation equals a bubble and a three sigma variation as a super bubble. Now in an actual newsletter, I'll explain what that means. Um, but essentially the, uh, the whole idea is that a triple bubble or a super bubble is basically stocks, real estates and commodities that are all coming down together, which is what we are seeing at the moment. Now, Grant Williams uh, had a couple of interesting points that I really wanted to take you through. Uh, and my quote here is, mood affects media and media affects psychology. And then he used Canada and the Australian housing markets as great examples of this. So he talks about how the narrative around housing in both Australia and Canada has changed. Rates are going up, but people are starting to change their mindsets. And his argument was that this is putting forward uh, a, a change in sentiment. So it's not so much that uh, interest rate rises are actually changing the economy or making any real difference in the economy, but rather that people's attitude towards those rate increases are what is going to change sentiment. And that is why we're going to see bigger price falls in both these housing markets. Um, 
Uh, to wit, he basically points out that if you listen to what people are saying, they're not buying a second home anymore, or are they delaying renovations, or are they delaying their holidays? He's like, these are the key indicators that we need to be listening to when it comes to find out what people mean. And rather, his argument is, is that these are leading indicators of what is happening in the market right now. And that if we listen to what's happening on the ground, especially in overpriced housing um, markets like Canada and Australia, and I guess UK is finally joining this as well, that we can get a better idea of what people are actually feeling, especially too when traditional forms of managing economic behaviour are lagging indicators. Um, now, that leads me to, in a very lumpy way, I absolutely admit that this is a lumpy podcast today, but there has been a lot of information given out to it today, is what is the big topic of conversation? Now, I'm not going to lie, I've been really surprised that the main topic of conversation has been goals. So I've been to a few of these symposiums before in the past from Rick, uh, and normally the, uh, normally the conversation is it, quite varied and there's no consensus, but I've sat through six or seven presentations now and every single common theme of those have been gold why isn't gold performing the way we expect it to and when is it finally going to react to these inflationary figures that we're seeing so i think it's quite interesting that a lot of the presenters are coming back to this now a couple of them have been miners a couple of them have been gold um, newsletter writers so but so there's not one the reason why I bring that up is that there's not one person talking their book. Everybody's got a varied interest in why gold should or shouldn't be moving. I'll just scroll down to some of my notes, uh, my notes, my notes from Brian London. Now, Brian London works, uh, writes for Gold Newsletter. Now, Gold Newsletter is the original gold newsletter. Uh, it started in the very early 70s before physical gold ownership was legal in America. Uh, and it was, one, it was absolutely the original creator of it, and I wish I could remember his name, um, was at the forefront of pushing for individual gold ownership in the 1970s. And that's why gold newsletter, uh, gold newsletter is called what it is, because it pushed for that uh, the ability to own physical gold, and it carries on its name to this day. So obviously with Gold Newsletter, they're pretty passionate about owning physical gold. But Brian did have a couple of points. Now, as you might recall, at the start of this podcast, I said Brian was the one who thinks that uh, the Federal Reserve Bank is going to be lowering rates come fall. Jim thinks they're going to be lowering rates come March next year. So some of Brian's key arguments was not only that easy money builds bubbles, but that easy money is what the market has become accustomed to and that there is no way that we are suddenly able to undo this. Uh, in fact, he had a really good quote here that I really want to share. It's that markets aren't addicted to easy money, but ever easier money. And I think that's really important to remember. Uh, he then goes on to talk about why gold hasn't moved lockstep with inflation. Now, we've talked about this in previous podcasts. It doesn't move lockstep with inflation. Uh, inflation is a backdrop that provides support, but the catalyst to drive gold high are things like a persistent stagflationary environment. And you've got to remember is we're up against a very strong US dollar right now. So these things aren't going to be done anytime soon. Um, but a couple of Brian's quotes that I am going to share with you, uh, and for those gold investors, I think you might like these. I certainly enjoyed them. Uh, gold is the constant of which all other values revolve and gold is the standard that has been set throughout time. Now these are very important things to invest, to remember as a gold investor is that gold is really what money operates around and for those of you who wish to preserve wealth, gold is often proven to be quite useful. Um, but one of the things that he did touch on is that even though interest rates 
are moving higher, he said, we've got to look back at previous periods where gold has um, has moved up higher in spite of interest rates going up. So for those of you who are wondering why gold isn't doing what it's meant to do, you've got to remember is that we're in an environment that provides support to the gold price, but the gold is up against an incredibly strong US dollar right now. And that dollar is being bolstered by a Federal Reserve Bank continually raising rates and showing no signs of stopping regardless of what we're hypothesizing today, but also to other major currencies like the um, the Japanese yen and the euro are persistently weak. And the reason why they are weak is because their central banks aren't driving rates higher, which is spooking the economy and causing sort of a, a flood of money to rush into a safe haven asset or a perceived safe haven asset like the US dollar, which is why uh, that is putting pressure on gold. Gold does well during periods of rate rises. Gold does well during periods of negative real rates, which is which is what we've got. Negative real rates for people who are new to the show is pretty much just the inflation rate minus the real rate. Uh, but you've got to remember when the US dollar is strong, that is going to provide a headwind for gold. Now, guys, we are drawing the end of today's podcast. I do admit that hey, it's been a little bit noisy in the background and it is messing with my head but also too that it's been a big jump around of topics today. So I understand that that is a lot to get through. So because we've had to cover a lot of topics in one podcast today, uh, make sure you join me next week where we're going to delve into a couple of things that have been said today uh, and also over the next couple of days of the conference as well because we just can't get everything out. So think of uh, today as me giving you the cliff notes, but make sure you come back to your exponential newsletters next week where we can delve into these in a little bit more and try and draw a little bit more sense out of what's been said here. But to summarize, the key topics are, Fed's going to cut rates sooner rather than later. Very interesting given that we've sent a rate raise this week, as well as gold has so far been the dominant conversation of today, which was not what I expected. I actually thought it would be resource stocks and everything they're looking for. Either way, that's why I came here to be surprised. This is Shay Russell signing off solo from the Boca Raton in Boca Raton, Florida. I'm still working out where I'm very jet lagged. Please forgive me. All right. That is all for this week. I will see you next week where Sam Volkering joins me once more. To quote Sam, thanks for watching and bye for now.